evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raising Bulls. We are the only podcast dedicated to the New York Red Bulls 2 of USL. Tonight, we're actually going to be talking about a win, guys. We beat TFC 2. Woo! (laughs) Um, There's quite a few things I'd like to discuss from that game. Uh, We're going to hear from the players and Coach John Wolinek uh, and their post-game thoughts. And we're going to be previewing the game against LCFC. No, not that LCFC. Louisville City FC. All that tonight on a very special Raising Bulls. It's not really a very special episode, but I think that you kind of have to do that in any intro uh, to make yourself legitimate. I am joined, as always, by Bill Toomey of Bill Toomey Photography. Hello, Bill. How are you? Doing a good show. It's good to be back for two whole weeks in a row. It's good to have you back. It's like a, a, it's it's a brand new year now that Bill has arrived. <laughs> How you doing, Joe? I'm doing all right. No concerts to shoot the last couple of weeks. Is that is that really? Uh, all that there's been a few on Sunday night. I saw the Doobie Brothers in Chicago, so uh, oh. that's from before your time. Uh, it's it's a little bit, but I, I'm familiar with both of those bands. Long... I was one of the youngest people there, but you know, it was a it was a good show. Was it Long Train Running? Right. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, yeah. I want at twenty five and six two four. That's a goodie. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Saturdays in the park. Um, Anthony Merced is also oh, here. Hello, Anthony. We heard you lurking around in the background. How are you this week? That's normally how people describe me: <laughs> lurking in the background, <laughs> waiting for your chance to troll. Yes, <laughs> I'm doing great that this team won. Yeah, yeah, this and that the first, the first team is winning. Team. Everybody's winning. You get a win, and you get a win. We all get wins. Um, yeah, pull- it's like uh, yeah, even even NYCFC is winning. Yeah, that's true. Although I wish that I'm not sure many true, but- listeners care about that, but uh- they probably don't. But it's like every everywhere you turn in New York in the soccer scene, there are teams winning. Uh, I'm glad that you qualified that because. Not every team in New York is winning these days. Oh, it's soccer. Yeah. Except for the Mets. The Mets don't win, but the Yankees do. Sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> they do. Um, yeah. let's, let's, let's get into this thing. Uh, I think that that's probably the best performance they've had in a couple of weeks, and not just because of the win. I think as a team, they played very well, although maybe they started to drop off a little bit in the second half. Uh, Jordan Scarlett back in the lineup. Uh I'm, I'm going to go ahead and call him the missing piece that this team uh, has uh, been wanting for so far this season. When he is in there, he is playing as a you know a, a traditional sweeper, uh, doing the role that Aaron Long had done uh, previously and very well last year in that championship run, and just kind of cleaning everything up for those in front of him, helping uh, to organize uh, and just kind of uh, putting out fires wherever needed. And that is something that's been missing from the team all season up until this point. Uh, And not to mention that when he's out there doing that, who looked fantastic right next to him? Tim Schmoll, who has been having a very, very difficult year. Uh, But it goes to show you, if you get the right pair, then... (laughs) <laughs> you could work wonders. No, agreed on the back line, but I think it's a little more than just, um, you know, Jordan Scarlett. I think there is a mentality change in this team. Um, and you spoke about it in weeks past where this team is, seems like they're just trying to pass the ball mm-hmm. into the net. Uh, and this goes for the first team as well. And in the last few weeks that has changed dramatically this game more so than the first team. How many shots were they taking from outside the box? Like every, it was very much like, Get the ball on net. And 
good things will happen. And that's exactly what happened in this game. Granted, the, the, the goal didn't come from, from that run of play, but it created dangerous situations that they just, the kind of dangerous situations that they weren't getting in uh, for, at any point earlier this year. Yeah, I agree with that. I think um, the absence of, um, of Brandon Allen has kind of forced them into not playing that with that target striker douglas martinez was was injured for this game so he couldn't play that role they're forced to start uh junior flemings up top and he kind of had florian velo and vincent bezicourt to to play off of they each kind of looked like they were taking turns being that second striker with him but when you have guys like that who are better running at goal than playing with their back to goal or, or getting the, that one touch in the box to score you have to kind of figure out more creative ways to create chances for yourselves. Um, the goal ended up coming from uh, a flick on header that Bezicourt just timed really well on the run through. Uh, Flemings did a great job of, of getting in the air and, and you know just very gently touching it over to Bezicourt. And the, the rest was you know kind of picture perfect soccer in terms of what you want to see from your guys moving forward. Uh, Bezicourt doesn't wait too long to take the shot and he doesn't even have to hit it that hard. He just slots it right behind the keeper. It was a really, really nice move on a counter that we haven't seen too often from the Red Bulls this season. No, we have, we haven't. And, um, to be fair, Toronto allowed a lot of space, Mm -hmm. um, to allow for these things to happen, but you have to take advantage. You have to use that space. And the Red Bulls finally started using that space, um, which was, just nothing but incredible positives. And it wasn't just that one play. There's lots of moments where they, where they would put the ball in key spaces um, and not just necessarily go to the wings, but look to the inside and look for the, the open man and be able to expand on their opportunities. So that's the major positive that I think that came out of this game was not just, you know, the goals will come if they continue playing like this, I believe, but they were able to put forward a coherent strategy to just get the ball on net against against a team that yes they're bad but still you got to beat up on somebody yeah well that that's something that i think that we'll get to in a little bit um and i think when you talk about not passing the ball into the net and to kind of look for those chances and create those chances one of the things that's happening uh when they're taking that long in possession is more and more guys are joining the attack so that when it does inevitably break down uh, you got everyone scrambling and uh, generally an odd man break uh, happening the other way. Um, I want to get back to talking about Jordan Scarlett for a minute here. Uh, on the night, five tackles, five clearances, six interceptions. The guy was a vacuum. Yes, we're. Ta- I know we're talking about TFC, uh, but we've, we've seen him do a little bit of this uh, in each of the games where he's had significant minutes. Um, you know, I, I mentioned him as a sweeper. Uh, sort of cleaning things up, uh, but he was also not afraid to maybe you know get that first body on the man in the midfield as the ball was popping out, which helped break down a lot of the counters and his recovery speed. In case you know he he didn't quite you know get enough on the ball if he was uh, putting a tackle in or uh, if the player was just able to kind of outsmart him, he was able to get back fast enough that it never really posed any danger and. Uh, you know, I, I know that you want to talk about the, the the way that the rest of the team looked, but the back line was a huge part of this result. And, you know, if they, if they play like this going forward, 
and against teams like Louisville or Charleston or Charlotte, although I don't know if they play Charlotte again. I think they they only play them twice this year. Uh, they're going to be able to get you know some results, maybe stay in games, maybe even just get a point against, against those that better competition. And when you're coming down the, the playoff stretch, that will be critical. Uh, well, look, we don't know yet whether or not they can get points from teams that good. We will find out right. next week. I fully and, you know, not, not, not to get there yet. Um, you know, because what the things that teams like Louisville are doing at the moment are just are far and above what we've seen Red Bull to do this year. So I, I, I don't want to like jump to that point. But with that said, Jordan Scarlett is exactly what this team has needed all year. My only concern is he has been unable to stay mm-hmm. on the field. Obviously, it was the initial early season training injury. Now it was something else. You know, he's got to put together consistent performances to prove that he can be that reliable guy. Because if not, you're in kind of this Aurelian Collin boat, which is, um, you know, the team is great when you're there, but they're constantly having to piecemeal it together that at this point they're operating without you as it is. Yes, I fully agree with that. Although what the, the first team has then gone on to negate that by kind of changing up the way they look in the back line. I'm not sure if you're going to see that from Red Bull 2, uh, but we did see them change uh, how they move forward, uh, officially listing themselves in a 4-2-2-2 yesterday, uh, or Friday, not yesterday, geez. Um, I discussed how sort of Bezicourt and Velo took turns playing you know, up top. Um, in, in the middle of the field, Andrew Tenari... I thought uh, had another strong game, maybe not as good as we've seen him um, playing with uh, two other partners in the middle, uh, but but still a pretty strong showing in terms of, of what he was bringing out there. And you know, a lot of that is just hustle and um, closing down players. Uh, you also had Najem starting uh, in the midfield with him, and the two of them kind of bring that same kind of thing. Yes, we're talking about TFC two. Yes, we know that they are not. Uh, top competition <laughs> in the Eastern Conference. You could say it. They, they stink. They stink a little bit. Um, a little but, bit. But what they did was very effective, and you got to pick up points against teams like this, and they haven't been doing yes. that lately. So it is it is still a pretty good uh, showing in terms of, of all that. Um, it, the, you know, you've started to pose this question. Is this something that can work against better opposition? When you talk about Louisville, that's a team – that I mean, they've they've been very successful and can play a physical game and you know maybe uh, keep a little bit of possession. But I think where they've been most dangerous is kind of drawing teams uh, into their into their half and then countering against them very quickly. Yeah, and that's and that's the kind of thing that you know Red Bulls can be susceptible to, um, and it's going to test Jordan Scarlett and Tim Schmoll. They're gonna they know who to look for. This is this is not a two team they're playing. This is a team that plays to win. You know, like really seriously plays to win. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, in in front of a big crowd too on on, mo- on most occasions. So they, you know, they're they're going to look for areas to exploit, and they know that they get physical with Scarlet. Maybe he'll catch an injury. Not to say that they're going out there to injure the guy, but they're looking to make life uncomfortable for him. They're going to look to make un- life uncomfortable for for the wingbacks. Um, they're, they're going to hope to catch his team with some bad passes in the midfield, try to force those kinds of things to happen. Um, it's not going to be that easy for them, but 
this is the first real test since uh, they've seemed to get new pieces in place and move guys around. Yeah, yeah, I agree with all that. Um, the other good thing in this game, you had Andrew Lombard and Stefano Bonomo on the bench. Bonomo actually made an appearance in this game. And he, what I was talking about in terms of what Junior Flemings and, and Vincent and Florian had done up front, uh, Bonomo kind of has a little bit more of that striker in him. So it was good to see sort of that stronger presence up front, even if uh, they weren't creating as much uh, in the second half when he came on. I do want to see more of Bonomo. Um, you know, it's been unfortunate that we have not been able to see as much of him this year. Last year, obviously Brandon Allen kind of stole the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw Bonomo in an incredibly limited role. I think that, you know, they've got to see what they've got with him. And if there's nothing there, I think this team needs to move on. If there is something there, let's, let, let's get it out of him. I think that there is something there with him. I think that he can be a second striker, but they need to have the right kind of person next to him, a poacher of some sort next to him so that he can hold the ball up and kind of maybe hopefully get it to them. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. This team sometimes isn't necessarily looking for what appears to be the most obvious thing in front of them. That's true. I think one of the strengths this year uh, can be the contributions from wing players or other midfielders. And while I think Brandon matured in that side of his game, I think Bonomo might have a little bit more potential in playing that sort of hold-up role, and that could be very beneficial to the attack. I think so, too. What do you think, Bill? I was just going to say we should ask Bill what he thinks. (laughs) What do I think about Rebels 2 in general this past Friday? (laughs) We caught him napping. Uh, Uh, Hot dogs. (laughs) What do you think about Bonomo maybe playing that holdup man uh, in a way that maybe Brandon Allen couldn't? Well, not to go off on Brandon Allen, but they didn't play him on uh, this past weekend when Rebels played. They couldn't play. They couldn't play. But what what I was going to say about Bonomo is I've always thought he's been pretty good, so I think he's going to do a good job in that position. And also with Zico Lewis almost getting another goal off that set piece a little bit after the first goal too which was pretty close yeah i think i think zico is one of those guys that would benefit from having uh, a little bit more hold up play uh, up top i think that that the midfield had done well in terms of um kind of keeping possession and looking for those chances but it allowed teams to kind of close down a little bit so if you can get that first ball up top to someone like bonomo who can hold on to it uh, he can always dish out to you know Junior Flemings or Etienne or uh, Zico Lewis or whoever else is up there. Okay, let's talk. Man of the match. Who you got? Bill, I'll start with you. Peasant Court for me with the huh? goal. It's a nice little chip there and got right past the keeper. So he's got it for me. I'm going to go with Jordan Scarlett. I think that um, I agree with, you know, despite the fact that I've been talking so much about the front, portion of the team he did such a good job that we weren't talking too much about the back line our our good friend uh who joined us for our live uh stream that one time at red bull arena joseph steen was there and i don't think he had seen scarlet play yet so i was talking him up a little bit and he did not disappoint so yes i i agree he was man of the match um toronto 
created danger, but they could never really take any of their chances because of how good Scarlet was. Um, so yeah, man of the match. Way to go, Jordan. I'm not going to give a goat because I don't think there's a reason to. I think we'll only do that for losses. Uh, one last bit of... Me for not going. Yeah, you, oh, <laughs> I I so wanted to have a hot dog eating contest with you at halftime, and you're Wait, ruined. you didn't say you wanted to do that? Yes, I did. I said that to you uh, in, between, in between segments when we were talking, yeah. <laughs> I was like, come on, okay, come well, out to maybe. the game. Dollar hot dog night. We could have a hot dog eating maybe, contest. Maybe I was drinking or something. I don't know. That sounds like well, you. It's rough for you to get get out to the weekend games because they don't run that train service all the way out to that uh, to the nearest train station. But right? on Fridays they do. They yeah. they don't. I, I I will say that there were other um, there were other teams that I, I I I cover all the teams around here. So sometimes I have to make a choice and also try to make sure my marriage stays intact. So it's uh. <laughs> It's it's not the easiest choice in the world. Anthony, because of your drinking, I'm going to read a letter that I've written you. Um, <laughs> Anthony, I remember that time that you disappointed me and didn't show up for the hot dog eating contest because you were drunk. And it made me feel sad inside. I didn't say I was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have you know I actually that night I didn't actually drink anything at all. Uh-huh. That's just what an alcoholic would say. Um, very, very different than what I'm, I'm actually being honest. I'm drinking straight rum right now. <laughs> uh, too good. No, I know. I'm just teasing. Okay. Uh, last bit of, uh, I guess it's kind of news before we move on. Um, Hassan Nadam got his first minutes with the Red Bulls in stoppage time in ML in uh, Minnesota. Colin is still hurt. There are no official uh, words yet from the team about Fidel Escobar, who is rumored to have signed. Um, so does this mean Nadam is with the senior team until Colin and or Escobar uh, arrive on the scene? And if so, who is going to be starting next to Scarlett? Is it Schmoll all the way or Abador? I I think that even if um, they Colin comes back or they sign a new guy, um, you're gonna want Nadam on the bench. I I I don't think this team has enough backup for to make this happen. Paranel, both Paranel and Colin have been very injury prone, mm-hmm. so I think you want to keep a guy like Nadam who knows the system ready and 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 there. If if um, this guy this the new mm. center back comes in, he's not gonna be ready right away. You're going to want to get him adjusted to the system. So I think is Lawrence, that, kind of. So I, I think, yeah. you know, not the road trip, but good fit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. I think that that's not a bad idea. I think with, with having that three-man setup, maybe it's a little less risky, uh, especially because you'll have Mario and Laid and Lawrence and Zizo. Um, and just in terms of having experience over in the Dom, that, that probably sends it back down to the two-team. I don't know. We'll have, we'll have to wait and see. But sometimes experience is something that, like, it, it, it's useful if it's the right kind of experience. Um, sometimes you need a fresh face in there to help a team out and to help them get a a, a bit a bit of a shot in the arm. You know, th- this is a rather old side um, when it comes to their starters. So a guy like Hassan Nadam can really come in and provide um, some exuberance that isn't quite there, um, especially in the back line. 
Fair enough. I think that's a fair enough excess. Uh, I said excess. I don't like that you're. What the heck? I don't is like that you're agreeing with me so much this week. Well, <laughs> when things are normal. when things are good, you can be rational. When things are bad, you really kind of lose your mind there. And plus, I mean, when you got a, a head full of rum, maybe you're just a little bit clearer in your thoughts. First off, it's not full. It's about three quarters. <laughs> That's a lot of rum. You got a big head. Um, Once we round up. <laughs> Uh, okay, we're going to take a break. Um, and when we come back, you're going to hear the post-game audio. Well, first you'll hear the post-game audio from um, Vincent Bezicourt, Jordan Scarlett, and John Wolinek. And then uh, we'll be back to preview the game against Louisville City. Stick around. Vincent, want to just give us kind of a couple thoughts on the game? You know, lots of chances both ways kind of towards the end, but you guys, you know, started out on the right foot in the, in the first half. Yeah, so uh, so the main focus be, before the game was to get a shutout, so the job is done, which is a great thing. But the first half was really good, like everyone was flying, we, got, we picked up some balls high up the field, which was great, we got some chances. Uh, luckily, I got I scored one, but we could have scored like three or four. And uh, and yeah, halftime we were like it's zero zero. They got, they're gonna come up flying, and that's what they did. That's what they did. And uh, we gotta do better at finishing the game and finishing the job and score chances and put the game away because they got their, their confidence back and they were very dangerous. Uh, Obviously, Brandon was a big, important part of the attack. Uh, without him, it looked like maybe there's a little bit more urgency, a little bit more um, uh, life to the attack uh, in terms of everybody uh, moving around and finding space around the box. Uh, is that a product of just kind of you know the change in formation, the change of personnel, or you know something else? No, yeah, Brandon was a, was a great striker, and every, everybody in the box was like almost a god for him. So. It was good to have him, but now we got, we got to find other ways to score goals. And so, yeah, we're trying to, to be more versatile in, in the attacking third. That's what we did in the first half, but like I said earlier, like we need to do more in the second half. Uh, <clears throat> I know you obviously you know did a short-term loan, got called up to the first team. Open Cup didn't see any action, but uh, what was that kind of mean to you? I don't know, what did Jesse tell you anything, you know? Just kind of rewarding you for your hard work here, or you know? Yeah, I'm I'm very happy. Of course, that means something to me. That means a lot. Uh, that means that they believe in me in a way. But you know, it's it's tough to get up there. I think they just signed two players, and uh, I mean, I might have a chance to, to go up there, but I gotta perform well with the second team first, and then we see what happens. Cool. And uh, what do you guys take from this kind of? Be a really, really tough opponent next weekend in Louisville. In Louisville, you know they always have a great crowd there and always, always play you guys. Tough, yeah, so. yeah. That, that was one of my first games last year. We won other place. Uh, I think that was 2-0. But if you, if you see the, the result this year here at home, I'm not clear they won like 3-0. So we gotta take pride on that result and make sure we do better than losing 3-0 and try and try to get points over there. Just uh, kind of a couple of thoughts. How did you? Uh, feel back out there obviously a clean sheet everybody always welcomes a clean sheet um you know and obviously back in the wind column um i mean 
so we have been very unfortunate for the last three games. I mean, we got. I think we played got good fo uh, good football um, in some parts, but some parts were lacking. I just think we have practiced together. Together, uh, we just we last year we weren't we weren't used to losing. So like this year, we wanted to prove that we are actually Red Bulls and we could play that the coaches wanted us to play. So we just come out and give it our all. Uh, getting the shutout, getting the win, it's it's obviously been a, a difficult road this year uh, with everything that's been going on. Um, you and Schmoll, I don't think, have partnered very often. How did you feel about the back line as a whole now with Noah coming in and Ethan kind of starting to maybe cement a spot back there? Um, I think the communication was good. I think Tim, um, one of Tim's best attributes is, uh, is, is his uh, communication. He knows the system very well. There's some just times when I, I kind of tune out and he's like Jordan, he gets me back going. Uh, I, I love that from him. Um, Noah is a very technical player. He's um, his second 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 90 minutes. I think as time goes, he's gonna get fitter and even better. Ethan, um, he's working. He's he's understanding. I'm um, the right back. He's not used to the position because that's his position. So so I think uh, as we move forward in the season, we get better. Jordan, what do you uh, kind of attribute to your tenaciousness, diving, sliding? Going up, yelling, being vocal—like, what do you kind of attribute that to? Obviously, we're, we're kind of new and seeing how your game is, and uh, you know what you have to, to bring in that way. So. Uh, I mean, that's that's the way I always play. But um, the coaches—they um, they like players that commit, that win 50-50s, uh, to to win our battles. Um, don't be soft. Um, if we could win the tackle, we win it. If we get tight, we get tight. If we don't, if we can't, just delay it. So I just think, uh, just give 100% out there. That's all. All right, John, um, want to give us kind of a couple of thoughts? Clean sheet, back in the win column. Uh, you know, I'm sure you guys left some out there as well, though, that you probably would like to see. Yeah, I mean, so obviously the positive is getting a win at home and, and getting a shutout. Um, but what's disappointing is, we, you know, we kind of put, put ourselves in, in neutral after we get the goal and, you know, don't continue to push in a way that um, we want to. So, um our lack of aggression and, and uh, intensity, um, especially in the second half, was, you know, a bit disappointing. So I'm obviously very happy that we get the win, but at the same time, uh, I felt like we could put a lot more into the game. What went into uh, kind of the formation-wise? You, you had Douglas, you know, <clears throat> obviously injured. Brandon, you know, obviously we, we know is, is away uh, on loan. Uh, what went into kind of that formation there, the, the partnerships up top? That yeah, so we go into a 4-2-2-2. Two, two, two. Um, obviously, that's what we worked on in preseason and came out in the beginning of the season with that. Um, we changed back to the 4-3-3. Three, three. Uh, and uh, probably the, the biggest decision for going back to it tonight was just personnel. Um, you know, missing Brandon, missing Douglas. Uh, it just kind of made sense with the personnel that we had to, uh, to, to try something a little different. Uh, I wanted to ask specifically about the second half. What do you think uh, changed at, at halftime? Was just maybe the nerves of being up a goal? Because, uh, I mean, it's, it's sort of an unfamiliar situation for the most part this year. Um, but the team kind of retreated a little bit. I think, you know, I'd have to be a psychologist to know exactly why. Um, I guess that's part of my job, so <laughs> <laughs> I do need to know a little bit why. But the uh, message at halftime is to keep going, to push, get the second goal. Um, so it's a little fortunate. Having said that, we did get chances. So, you know, um, but I just think in a general way, we didn't really continue to do all the things that we did well in the first half. So um, that part was definitely um, disappointing. So uh, we want to be aggressive. We want to get after the game.
We want to keep putting our stamp on the game. And in a lot of ways, when, when we hesitate, when we drop off and you know, do, don't do the little things, we end up doing more work in the end. So to try and convince our guys that, of that is, is, is important. So I'm sure at least some of it comes from the fact that we, we, lack, we lack a little bit of confidence right now. So I think that's natural. But, um, you know, I'm trying to instill in our players that, uh, you know, you lose, you win, whatever, just keep going, be in the moment, and continue to push. Uh, Jordan, obviously, it was a big part of the game tonight. Uh, and most of his appearances is, has been a, a yeah. calming factor. Somebody's putting out a lot of fires, playing a very traditional sweeper role. Uh, is, is he maybe that missing piece that hasn't, you know, been in the back line so much so far this year? Yeah, I mean, a small sample size. A mm-hmm. um, little frustrating with the injury. Obviously, the first one and then the second one um, for certain reasons. But uh, yeah, all, all signs for him are positive. So. Uh, you know, I think you could see that he struggled a little bit fitness-wise today. Maybe that's with being out for a little bit and then coming back with straight away to 90. But it's not like he was out that long. So, um, yeah, we, I, my, my initial thoughts on, on Jordan were, were very positive. Uh, and, uh, you know, those, those, those thoughts seem to be uh, coming to fruition. So, uh, definitely a guy to, that we are pretty high on and getting higher on. What do you think, uh, kind of about Bonomo's performance? Obviously, his his first action, nine yeah. months, you know, inserted him kind of at the end. Yeah, uh, he's, he should kind of a lot of hustle out there. Uh, yeah, he's looked good in training. Um, obviously, the most important thing is that he's back on the field in, in a game situation. So uh, it's been a long time for him. It's been a frustrating time for him. Um, so you know, even at the end of last year when he's playing in the playoffs, he wasn't at full strength. So uh, he gave us what he could then, um, and he gave us what he what he could tonight. So I'm I'm just. The biggest thing with him is I'm just really happy to see him back on the field in a, in a competitive situation. And what do you kind of take from tonight? Uh, obviously, a much tougher game. Uh, Saturday, Louisville, you know, obviously, t- eight, nine, ten thousand people. Uh, and, you know, they, they won here 3 nothing earlier this year. Yeah, Louisville, obviously, we didn't have a success against them uh, last time they were here. But to be honest, we did do some good things in that game, and we tend to play well against Louisville. So uh, I think, you know, we're a good. They're a good matchup for us. We usually raise our game for them, so I'm excited. They're a good team. We love playing against them because it, it always looks like a good game and it's interesting tactically, and uh, it's a great challenge for us. So, uh, and then, like you mentioned, um, you know they do a great job with the crowd and, and the environment there. So, uh, you know, I'm excited for our guys to get to you know, some of the new guys to get to experience that. And some of the guys that have been there experience it again. back for our final segment we're going to be previewing the game against louisville city they are two two and one in their last five matches with a plus four goal differential with wins over st louis ottawa they lost against fc cincinnati and harrisburg city islanders and they drew charleston last time they played red bull two they won three nothing in a decisive victory i don't think it was as close as that scoreline indicates uh, at msu so red flag should be uh, waved <laughs> vigorously. Um, yes. They're getting goals from pretty much everyone on the team, which has been their strength this year. They're not relying on a single player to be their goal scorer. Uh, the tops are Cameron Lancaster with five goals, Luke Spencer with four, George Davis the fourth with four, and Brian Ownby with four. Uh, newcomer Ilya Ilyich has also been dangerous, uh, but I think he's only sitting on two goals. Uh, it, backing them up, you've got... Gregory Renjitsing, 
He's a beast. He goes beast mode in the net. He doesn't always play for them, but most of the time he does. And he's a very, very good goalkeeper for the USL. Uh, from what I've seen from Cincinnati, they've been uh, from Cincinnati, from Louisville City, they've been very good. They started to stumble a little bit this week. They they kind of pushed themselves all the way up to second place, and then you know stumbled a little bit and. That has been kind of overtaken by Charlotte for the time being. They're tied up there with 32 points. They are vulnerable, and they can give up goals in big numbers. Um, but they are so deadly on the counter. We talked a little bit about that in the first segment. And that's something... I mean, it's not a single player that they can really key in on. Uh, because pretty much anyone in the front of their attack uh, can be dangerous when running at a defense. Yeah, this is a very, very hard team to keep off the scoreboard. With that said, if you look at their um, their their depth chart and the goals that these guys have scored, Cameron Lancaster is leading the team with five goals, and it's only five goals, despite the fact that you know this team seems to be scoring like I don't know what their average is, but it seems to be like two point five or something goals per game. Like they're it's. It's ridiculous how much they're scoring. You're talking the last game was it four to one? Um, they they scored two against Cincinnati, uh, two against Ottawa. They got shut out against um, against Harrisburg. But like this is a team that's really really good at scoring goals. So but it's distributed well across the team. So there's so many threats that these guys have uh, and how they're able to really deliver on the offense that. I'm very concerned for Red Bull 2's defense uh, heading into this fixture. Yeah, uh, I think even even when they're at you know maybe their worst defensively, they could still really bite you on the counter. There was a game that they played, um, I think it was last month, uh, against Charleston. Uh, it was a 4-4 game. It was crazy. It was wide open. Charleston, one of the best attacks in the league. And Louisville, one of the best attacks in the league, and it was not at all a disappointing game. Uh, but they still they still managed to give up four goals. So even if they're going to be loose defensively and the Red Bulls can take care of that, they are still such a danger uh, moving forward and can basically muscle. They could outscore you uh, <laughs> to win games, which is something that, you know, maybe like uh, teams like the late aughts. Uh, LA Galaxy were sort of known to do. They didn't have the best defense, but they could outscore you. Yeah, and that's what Louisville is um, is is going to do to New York Red Bull too. Uh, and and that's not something that is unfamiliar to this team, uh, especially for Louisville. They they did this. They've done this in years past. We saw them attempt to do it in the playoffs as well. Uh, so this is the first real test under this new. Backline and post Brandon Allen era of New York Red Bulls, so it, I'm very interested in see, interested in seeing just what they're able to do. Plus, it's an away game too, where you're going to step into a stadium that has pretty good home support, so that's going to add a little bit to it too. Yeah, I, I, one thing I'll say about that though, this team has reacted very, very well on the road when there's been big crowds. This team desperately wants to play in front of people. So sometimes uh, they play really, really well, even if it's opposing fans, just because um, they're feeding off the energy, which they normally don't get that much of at home. Sorry. <laughs> that makes sense, though. They, I mean, I, I don't want to call out the Rampage because 
is awesome that they have a supporters group there. But one thing that I would like to to hear from them uh, a little bit more is is some noise. I think uh, during the game that they they have a tendency to get a little bit quiet. They might be ribbing the goalkeeper that's right in front of them, and that is you know awesome. Uh, but th- I think they they need to bring it a little bit louder. Uh, I'm not, again, I'm not calling them out, but I, I think that I think that they could they could use a little bit of a volume injection. You're not calling them out, but you're calling them out. Only, uh, the, only one thing I will say, <laughs> the one thing I will say is like the the rampage isn't necessarily the issue. Obviously, yeah. Um, the, supporters groups don't make up the majority of fans. It is actual casual fans. So. Um, you know, they, they they can be the loudest people in the group, but they're not the ones that are um, filling out most of the seats. I fully and, agree with that. Yeah, and and so this team, when they look to the left or to the right, um, if they're not seeing anybody, um, it's a bit of a different scenario. But when they're in Cincinnati or they're in Louisville or St. Louis or any of the places that are getting, you know, moderate to decent sized crowds, or with Cincinnati, amazing crowds. Um, that, that that's a big boost, you know. It's it's almost like close your eyes. You're in MLS, you know, kind of kind of stuff. And against Louisville, they're going to get that kind of a crowd, that kind of live crowd that they can really feed off of. Yes, yes, I agree with that. But uh, in terms of um, what I think, maybe being a little bit of a louder presence could do for uh, the home games for the Ripples. Not to get too far off track of of the crowds in Louisville and what I want to talk off about the there. Uh, but. It's like uh, when you go to see a comedy in a movie theater. If no one else is laughing, even funny jokes become a little less funny for you. You know, it's it's the reason that when you go to a a, a taping of like a um, a sitcom or a late night like talk show, they send someone out to warm up the crowd so that you're already in a mood to laugh. So if you got the the rampage really, I mean, cranking it and being loud. It will make the enthusiasm a bit infectious for the others there. But let's talk about uh, Louisville City and their crowd. And I think that they've been really good at home. They had a couple of stumbles uh, in terms of uh, not quite getting the job done there. But it's been pretty few and far between. They had that game against Cincinnati where Cincinnati stole it late uh, 3-2. to um, And then I think... They haven't lost at home before that. Let's see. You would have to go back to oh, last year. <laughs> so they've really oh, yeah, they've, last year they've really been getting the job done there. <laughs> uh, they're a tough team to play. It's a tough place to play. Now, if the Red Bulls can sneak some points in this match, uh, the two teams that are above them right now, Bethlehem Steel and uh, Rochester Rhinos. Uh, there, <laughs> Rochester is playing Toronto, so a pretty safe bet that they're going to get three points. Uh, Bethlehem is playing Charlotte, so that's a place to keep your eye on uh, if there's going to be some movement in the standings this week. Obviously, the Red Bulls uh, are a bit behind uh, Bethlehem in terms of um, uh, goal differential, uh, but they could at least tie them on wins uh, and, and move into a tie for for sixth or seventh place, uh, depending on what happens with Rochester. But like I say, I'm pretty sure they're going to win that match against Toronto, having watched Toronto play. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. This team is in an in, this team is in an interesting in in an interesting scenario, in that um, their first two seasons, they didn't have to worry about making the playoffs as much. Like they were good enough to make the playoffs in their first year. The second year, they were obviously they put everybody in the rearview mirror. 
Um, so this is the, the these are the games where you see how much this is about winning and losing versus development. Obviously, we hear them always say it's development, but you see the twinkle in John Walnick's eyes or the player's eyes where he's like, this is about development, but really I'm trying to say that I definitely want to win games. Right. Um, so so the, this is more than ever before where we see that coming together because they have they've never had this kind of difficulty winning games in their first two years. This is a game where it can really help create momentum for the rest of the year to say, hey, we're, we're on the right track. We're winning games. We're on our way to solidifying a, solidifying a playoff spot. If they don't, this team slowly becomes a, um, a walk-the-line kind of scenario for the rest of the year, which means they have to exhaust themselves to get into the playoffs. And in the USL playoffs, where you are in the standings in those top eight really does indicate your level and your ability to win a championship. Yeah, I agree with that. I think you know, last year maybe is a little bit of a down year in terms of how many points you're going to need to make the playoffs. Uh, but the lowest in the Eastern Conference was 35 points. They're not far off that mark now, but I don't think that that's going to be the, the mark this year. So I think they need to be aiming for somewhere around 40, 45 points uh, in order to make that. There are 36 points left for them on the table uh, because they've already played 20 games of the 32-game season. So They need the Premier League magic number. They, they, need, <laughs> they need to to continue to get some results. But they also have a really, really difficult road road ahead. I don't know if you've oh, yeah. taken a peek at the schedule. So <laughs> you've got Louisville City this week, right? Followed up by Rochester, followed up by Charleston on the road, followed up by Cincinnati, Ottawa, Tampa Bay, <laughs> <laughs> TFC two again. Okay, then Cincinnati, yeah. uh, Pittsburgh, oh. uh, Tampa Bay, Orlando, and Rochester to close out the year. So. They it is not an easy road. It is not going to be easy for them to pick up points going forward. Uh, so this is going to be a, a pretty tough road. Now, saying all that, Andrew Lombard was on the bench this past week. He's in contention to maybe start this game. Um, after talking to uh, Willie last week, Douglas Martinez, he had a bit of a knock, but it was only uh, it was I think it was a groin injury. I, I have to verify that. Um, but he's not going to be out for very long. Uh, he said days, I believe, instead of weeks. Oh, darn. <laughs> um, Jordan Scarlett should be back out there. So, I mean, they have they have an opportunity to maybe do something here. When I talk about Douglas Martinez being back, Anthony, and we talk about uh, maybe the Red Bulls putting themselves in a different look, Stefano Bonomo and Douglas Martinez up top might be a pretty good pair. Zoinks. Zoinks. <laughs> That's all you got for me? Zoinks? <laughs> I mean, you Rattle. know, you're putting two guys. Yeah, bro. You're putting two guys up top that are not necessarily. I don't know if Douglas Martinez is the goal poacher that you need up there. He has shown. I don't think he's a guy that he, that can just carry yeah. the ball in and create his own chances. But having someone like Bonomo who can hold on to the ball and allow him to get into more dangerous opportunities. And if you remember how much more dangerous of an opportunity can he be? And he's been one on one in so many scenarios and just 
found ways to not score. That's, I'm not saying that he true. can't turn it around, but like, geez, you're talking about Bonomo, who is not that, and Douglas Martinez, who's a guy who right now, I don't know if he has confidence. Junior Fleming's probably has more confidence than he does. I would agree with that. But I think Junior Junior could come off a stretch of games where uh, he's crawled around the field, had no shots on goal, uh, and you know wasn't at all participating, and he would still have miles and miles and miles and buckets of confidence. He is a very confident player. Even when he's not performing, which is, is good in terms of being able to turn around uh, a series of bad performances, uh, but maybe not great if <laughs> your confidence is exceeding your ability at a given moment. Uh, all that said, uh, let's get a prediction for Louisville City. Bill? I would be happy with a 1-1 tie on the road. Yeah, I... I'm- Yep. I, I'm not positive I could be happy with that, but I understand the the mindset behind it. I'm saying 2-2. Two, 2-2. Two. Two, two. <sighs> well, all right. You're going to put me in the position to be this guy again. <laughs> <laughs> this Flashback is, from last season. This is either going to be a tremendous win for the team or a tremendous loss. I don't I, – when I talk about uh, hyperbole and black and white – uh, this is going to be a loss, and I'm going to say it's a three-one loss at at its best. Three-one. They're going they're going to go down in this match. I like I like everything I'm seeing from the back line. I'm just not I'm not feeling it yet. I think that they still need to grow a little bit. Okay. Uh, now that I've bummed everyone out, let's yeah <laughs> yeah, Mister Negativity. Go. Talking about me. Let's move on to some general USL news. Uh, the formation of a central conference uh, has been announced. Uh, and uh, that is obviously going to change the way that teams look, the amount of travel they have uh, per year. Uh, but I'm wondering, what, do you th- who, what teams do you think are going to make up that central conference? I'm thinking Cincinnati... Uh, San Antonio, Rio Grande Valley, the new Nashville team, if that does, I believe it's going to be next year. Um, shoot. Now I'm thinking about teams in the Central and it's St. becoming Louis? a little bit difficult. St. Louis, yes. St. Louis is another one. Like um, Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City. If, Tulsa? Uh, it, Tulsa? Tulsa? Yeah, yeah, I can see Tulsa being there too. Um, also, a if there's a team in Detroit, that can fit in there as well i think if they can get just 10 teams there um it can happen i can see some teams from the east being dragged in teams like charleston maybe pittsburgh if they need to pittsburgh yeah charleston i mean that makes less sense than pittsburgh i think hey look have have you ever looked at some of the standings in like the nfl oh i know (laughs) oh no the nhl nhl is is the worst yeah like national predators in the western conference anyway Um, yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, the, those are the teams I can see off the top of my head that can be there. There are probably some teams out West where the trip is a little bit easier for them as well, mm-hmm. but those are the ones in particular that, uh, that ring to me, Colorado, Colorado Springs is yeah, one that could also potentially fall into those, uh, into that category. Uh, and how do you feel about the, the conference in general? Do you think it's a good thing for the league to kind of scale yeah. back that travel a little bit? Yes, absolutely. I, you know, if, if you look at the minor league, uh, I always go back to minor league baseball. And the reason why I do that is 
there there aren't very many well developed minor leagues for the other major sports here in the United States. Um, uh, hockey does have one, and it's incredibly regional for them. They don't have much travel. You think about um, the AHL or or um, the Atlantic League or whatever whatever the minor league baseball league is. Everybody buses to to their specific area. Nobody's going to Florida or over to LA. And there's a total it's of really, like five teams in the league, and they yeah. just play the same five teams. Yeah. And, and I think, yeah, and I think if you did that and then brought everybody together for a playoff system, mm-hmm. it would work really well. And it would allow teams that aren't involved in the USL right now to maybe get involved. I think about teams like Kingston Stockade, which are not necessary is not necessarily a New York City based team, but is a New York State based team to be able to be included maybe in um, in the mix because they do things like a thousand. They do an attendance like a thousand fans a game. Um and and to be able to include those teams that don't want to spend a lot of money flying their teams cross country, uh, it, it could be a really big help if you consolidate into those areas and be able to grow the USL. Okay, and here's my next question for you: uh, USL Division Three soccer, right? Okay, or Division Three. Wait for the question. Division Two. <laughs> uh, what is that going to look like in terms of? Are there teams currently in USL that will be dropping down that flight? And how many teams are even going to be in the, the I guess, main USL league next season? Um, I think that depends on the ownership. It, it, it depends on the teams that are willing to invest in whatever ridiculous standards um, the U.S. Soccer Federation puts forward. If... If the ownership of a league says that they, um, and and by ownership of a league meaning all of the owners combined say they want to limit the cost of travel, then I think that they should be able to do that within that division. But if USL is going to create USL three, then uh, division three, then those teams that want to spend less, potentially teams like the Red Bulls, who we've seen be kind of a cheap team of late, um, Toronto. The likes like that might want to bump their teams down, um, which would also allow teams like was it San Francisco FC or teams like that that don't necessarily have a incredible budget to be able to be included in the scenario. So that's what I think. If 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 they don't want to put the money into travel or the money into whatever it takes to be a Division Two team, bump them down. Not that big of a deal. Okay, but then how many teams do you see in that division versus how many teams do you think you'll see in USL? I think you can see 15 year one. You can get 15 teams into that. What What is it right now? 30 in USL? Yeah. Uh, yeah, 30. Okay. Uh, I think it's 15. Now, now, where the region is for those, I think a majority of those two teams come from the east. So I think that that, that, that division, that, that league starts in predominantly the east and central division, in central um, time zones. Okay. Yeah, the out west, it's just Seattle, LA. Um, Vancouver, Orange Portland. County. Orange County's not a two team, are they? No, no, no. Orange County's an independent team. Okay. Uh, Colorado Springs. But well, who knows? Maybe Orange County NASL might want to be in there. Maybe, maybe. Um. Okay. I think that brings us to the end of uh, all the things that we need to talk about this week. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, uh, I'm at underscore Joe Goldstein. I am at Attitude AJM. And I'm at Bill T. NJ. 
And of course, if you want to follow the show, and we hope you do, we are at Raising Bull Cast. And as I've said, that's all on Twitter. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Raising Bulls. You can go to our very own website, RaisingBulls.com, where you can also send us questions. Every week, I uh, beg for questions most of the time to the ether, but we'll still accept them if you send them to us. And you can send them to questions at RaisingBulls.com. You can follow my work at SBI Soccer. Uh, Each week, I I give you some Red Bulls, some USL. Anthony, you want to plug your stuff? Sure. NYC Soccer World. Um, I cover pretty much any team in the first two divisions in your soccer. So you're talking about the Cosmos, NYCSE, the New York Red Bulls, New York Red Bull 2. We'll also be doing some EPL coverage as the year comes on. And starting in two, actually one week, Metro Soccer Nation podcast. So keep an uh, ear open for that as it happens. Uh, th- and you're going to be on it, so don't. So, so you better sound more excited. That was a real woo. <laughs> woo! I was trying to do the Ric Flair. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I blew it. I didn't want to be too loud. I've got I've got sleeping children in this house for Christ's sake. Oh, oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, and uh, I th- I believe that you could see uh, Bill T and Jay's work on both of uh, those sites on SBI Soccer and on NYC Soccer World. Is that correct, Bill? Yes, sir. Oh, absolutely. Bill is straight up killing it. If you haven't seen Bill's photos, then you are missing out. Find him. Well, don't find him. Find his photos. <laughs> and look at them. <laughs> they are so pretty. Uh, and, of course, I'm going to keep ending the show with a uh, shout-out for my EP that is now out. Uh, you can find it on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music, YouTube, uh, I think pretty much anywhere that that has these things, Amazon. Uh, and it's Acoustic Boomerang, both of those words spelled uh, as those words are, are generally spelled. And the album is Nebula. Whew. All right, that's it. I think that's all we had to to say tonight. And uh, I'm going to slowly pass out while I'm finishing this part <laughs> and pause between every other word that I say so that we can slowly get out of here. For myself, Anthony Merced and Bill Toomey, have a good night. <laughs>